Hey everybody, it's Axel. Before we get started, I just wanted to remind you that we are on Patreon. We've been doing a ton of podcasts. And guess what? We're not slowing down. We're doing a new podcast on David Simon's new HBO show, The Deuce. DJ is coming out with his own show, Inside DJ's DVR. We've got more podcasts, Winterfell, to give to you. Man, I'm already sitting on two or three podcasts that we recorded already. And if you were a patron, you'd already be listening to some of them. We're also going to be doing great podcasts just for patrons in the off season as well. We're really going to have a lot more time to do a large variety of stuff, as well as keeping with the podcast Winterfell, Game of Thrones type of stuff that you've come to enjoy. So check us out, Patreon backslash DVR. We're all independent podcasters doing this on our own time. So help us out, support us, become a part of the crew. Take care. Dedicated to Game of Thrones and a song of ice and fire, you're listening to Podcast Winterfell, part of the DVR Podcast Network. Check us out at DVRPodcast.com. Hey everybody, welcome to a special edition of Podcast Winterfell. This is the interview episode with one of our big super fans. If you guys haven't heard, in the beginning of the season, if you're new to the podcast or you just started this year, uh, before we started the season, Axel got a, a real good interview with a fellow podcaster, uh, a co-host of a really good podcast, and uh, I would say a super fan, and that's a, it's a proper way to call him. It's uh, What Up Do's co-host, Michael underscore Aaron. Welcome, Michael, to Podcast Winterfell. What up, though, DJ? What up, though? Yeah. Oh, you got it, man. You you, you nailed the you nailed the pronunciation there. Uh, Pretty cool. This is dope, man. I'm, I'm glad to be on here because it's I've I've done a couple of these uh, podcasts with Axel, but you and I have never podcasted before. And, uh, like you mentioned before we started, I haven't been too vocal on the show outside of uh, certain mediums, so I haven't really had time to like call in or write in. So it'll be good to get some of my thoughts on the season out uh with a with a fellow super fan such as yourself yeah um and you know when we get super fan uh, i would just want to give a little little background like michael started this group mostly uh, from his circle and people he knows on facebook and it's a super fan group and uh, about game of thrones and uh when we kind of i started listening to his show and he came on uh i think it was last year on the small council or it was a podcast winterfell and you know, I started. We started interacting back and forth. I joined the group, and Michael just keeps putting out these fantastic posts and questions. He asked the right questions, and he definitely is a super fan. So I joined the group, and I, I got to be friendly with a lot of the people in there, and I enjoy the conversation that we have. So after Mike's great interview in the beginning of the year, when he went to the Game of Thrones con in Nashville. I said, you know, we got to get him on the podcast. And, you know, I was hoping maybe jump in on a fan call in, but, you know, that never happened. I know time's tough for a lot of people in the time we do it. But after all the good conversations we had in the group, I figured we got to get Mike on and we got to talk about some of his points, some of his questions, and just some of his knowledge, his views. So um, I'm going to start off with a question. And I'm going to ask you, Mike, what did you rate the season overall on a 1 to 10 scale? On a one to ten scale, hmm, 
Um, I'd say I'd probably give it a strong seven. All right. would be would be probably where I'd put it. Uh, people who listen to to What Up Though podcast, which I'm sure is probably like of the people listening to this, probably you and Axel, but uh, but people who know me or who listen to the podcast know that I like to rank things. So like I'm always keeping a running tally of rankings and of where I place things in my head. And um, this season, when I was trying to rank it, it was a little tough because for me, this season was it was kind of difficult to compare to the previous ones because it was a, it's kind of a different animal this year. There was a lot less of the uh, like political intrigue and like the the uh, how current events tied into previous seasons. It was it was more just like heavy on uh, action and uh, I don't I don't want to say deaths. That's a point that I actually have in my notes to talk about later. But um, it was a lot. It was very different from the previous six seasons. But uh, the way I generally rank these uh, seasons is by impact moments. So for me, I rank season four at the top because it had the most impact moments for me. And uh, this one uh, didn't have very many, but I did also, I I think I ranked it maybe like around the middle. But um, this one fell down because it it didn't have too many impact moments for me, but it did have the Spoils of War episode, which I thought was like a top 10 episode. So that that helped it out. And then... um, I don't, I don't, I can't, I don't know what you guys thought about it because uh, I haven't uh, been able to really talk to you guys too much about it. But um, the the ending with Viserion uh, knocking the wall over or knocking down that portion of the wall that was pretty that was pretty crazy to me. So like that was a pretty a pretty high impact moment for me. I was watching that at my at my watch per at my watch party jaw dropped. Like I can't believe I'm seeing this right now. So. That boosted it up quite a bit. Yeah, no, no, I I agree that the the final episode to me capped everything off because I I got a little shaky at, at episode six and I and I had a lot to say about that one. But <laughs> I heard, yeah. But the end, it just it definitely capped it off right and it and it brought it together. But I totally feel you on the the different pacing of the season. It was it it took a a little bit to get used to, um, and I think that's kind of was the the like when you say like no impact it really didn't have that shock factor because it didn't have that slow build it was all fast paced so anything that was shocking was kind of like okay and then they threw something else so it wasn't like a lone solo shocking moment which we were used to so yeah um i feel that i I definitely feel that and you know something else too that i've learned about this show and and the the upper echelon of fandom is that we have now been conditioned to how Dan and Dave flesh out this story. So if you go back to say season two, season three, when these big things happened, like the red wedding or uh, season four, like those, like when I say season four, I mean like the stuff with like Oberyn, stuff like that stuff with Joffrey, those things were kind of mind blowing to us because we were still learning how this show operates and not really expecting huge kind of like plot twist or developments or deaths at this point now in season seven, it's almost like we could write it. Like we can predict, we, we spend so much time theorizing. We know how they write. We know how they generally play out the stories. 
to the point where like the shock factor in a lot of these things is down several notches because most of the stuff that happens we predict in the off season anyway. Yeah, I, I, I you know, I, I think it's spot on. Like if you listen to some of the season two, three, four, even four podcasts, our theories are crazy and way out there. I mean, and I'm not talking about just our crew. I'm talking about like multiple podcasts and multiple, you know, speculations and, and different things people were going for and gunning, you know, gunning for. And now it's like, we're all pretty much like, yep. All right. We figured that was going to happen. And it did. All right. That happened. And, and it's took it, taken a little bit of it away and, and it kind of made it like a, a, like a summer blockbuster style movie. Uh, you know, like the way they, they, they made it and it's kind of predictable, but it's still amazing. You know, I, oh, absolutely. I, yeah, it's just it's just that it's different. It was it's not as heavy and and twisted out as it was. But, I, you know, it's got to come to a head at some time. And I, I wanted to finish up strong. So, I, you know, that's why I kind of gave it a, a pass for not having all that in it like that. And you can't really uh, you can't really knock it for not continuing to build. We're building toward the ending. So we're coming to a close here. We can't really knock the show for not continuing to move at a, 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 a slower pace. It, you know, they need to wrap things up. They need to have these plots and these characters converge. So that's why I, I had no problem with the pacing. Like when I say it was different, don't get me wrong. It's not a criticism. It's just like, it was just different. It's just an observation. I had no problem with the pacing at all. Honestly, it was just different. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I got over it and I, I definitely got, uh, agree with you on that. So before you uh, kind of mentioned the, about the uh, fan watch party, and uh, it's something I want to talk about maybe before we dive too deep into the episode. I think it's something that, that people would uh, kind of be interested in hearing about. So uh, through the Facebook group, you have a lot of people that are close to you in your area in Detroit. Um, mm-hmm. And you threw a, a, what was it, two watch parties? Oh, shit, man. Probably like. Five. This season was five. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. wow. I didn't. I didn't advertise them in the group until probably like the last two. I think that I did, but I had them. Uh, yeah, I think I had them all but two episodes. That's really cool. So now a lot of I'm sure I ha- I know I haven't. So I'm sure a lot of people haven't experienced watching it with other like super fans and people who are into it. So how many people roughly did you have over? Uh, it varied. Um. Usually it's as few as just another two. So it'll be like my wife and two of our two of our friends. So it's it's as few as four. And then I think for the last two episodes, probably in the range of like eight to ten. Wow. That's a good number. Fairly decent. Yeah, no, fairly decent for just having people over your crib to just watch a show and drink. So, yeah. Yeah. So like, all right. Was it? annoying at all or was it that it was, was everybody like glued to the tv with people talking how, like how'd that go it was like so the, the the key factor in having a game of thrones watch party is being picky about who you invite over you don't want to have that person over it's like who's that again what's that person's name why are they doing that you know asking all those questions and shit you want it to be like people who you know are diehard like you who just want to talk about it and then watch it and then talk about it after so the the general layout was I'd buy a bunch of I'd buy a bunch of food, I'd buy a bunch of liquor. Um, people would bring food, people would bring liquor. Uh, people would come over anywhere between mm, five, six o'clock 
and eight o'clock at uh, eight o'clock. You know, prior to eight o'clock, we just talk about what we expected to happen uh, on that night's episode. Talked about the previous week's episode. We drink, eat the food at eight o'clock. We watch the previous week's episode, and then we, you know, queue up the that week's episode at nine. And then afterward, we would talk about what we just watched, and then we would rewatch the episode. So <laughs> I saw every episode twice in one night. Uh, I love that. That's that. That's super fan right there, and that's <laughs> yeah, that's dope. That's real dope. I I love to hear that because like. I, you know, I'm in New York and I, I'm in this group and I'm watching and I'm like, these guys are having a party. I'm seeing like a couple of pictures, all the layout of food. I'm like, damn, I want to go there and hang out. <laughs> and, I, you know, I'm like thinking how cool it would be. And me and uh, Mike Hull were trying to do that because we're both out here in New York. But it just time didn't really work, uh, work it out this season, especially with a short season. So I was, you know, I definitely wanted to have you on it and I want to hear about that. So you watched it the first episode that, that we aired week before, then you watched it. And watched it again. So, how did those discussions go? Like, was everybody like amped? Like, was it was it a, like almost like a podcast? Yeah, kind of. Like, we could have we could have set up something and podcasted, but it was it would all with that many people, you couldn't really pull off a podcast like just setting some sort of recording device in the middle of the room. But otherwise, yeah, it was like a podcast. We talked about, oh man, uh, so this happened. That was great. What do you think is going to happen with this? Like, um, you know, like the take for instance the. Um, episode i think four which was the spoils of war episode and then i think there was something in the preview for next week after that that indicated that it was going to be like a big uh potential battle episode and we found out it was called east watch so we come in we're coming into episode five like this shit's about to be hard home part two like (laughs) we're (laughs) geeked up like we're talking all kinds of stuff about hard home and and everybody going beyond the wall and all this and they don't end up you know going out as you know until like the last scene of the of the episode so that that was uh that was a more awkward one because you know invited everybody over thinking it's going to be hard home part two and it wasn't (laughs) that's funny yeah yeah yeah. other than that yeah it's 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 just cool man just talking shit having a good time uh watching the episode twice um watching the previous week's episode uh and yeah, it that it's it's really just it's just like a a real life version of the group, essentially. Yeah, yeah no, that's dope, you know. And, and I, I get it, like, because it would be real hard to to have all those people on a podcast. Like, I I kind of you know joked around a little bit in the, in the room, like, oh, record or make a podcast, but I, it, it's tough, you know, like, because everybody talk over each other and being on podcasts. I mean, you're in your what is hundred and forty fifth show already of your podcast. Something like that, yeah. Right, so, I mean, you're well-versed into knowing when to just, you know, lay back a little bit while the other person's talking, but, you know, sometimes people get excited, and even on the fan call-in, we, we've got some real calm people who just know to, you know, pause it a little bit, but in the beginning, it was people talking over one another, and it sounded like chaos, so I, I get that part of it. Yeah, not to mention that also, by this point, half of us are probably kind of drunk, so it's like... <laughs> Probably not the great, not the best idea in the world to try to record a podcast either. Like one of those episodes, I was pretty, I was pretty wasted by the end of the episode. Like the rewatch, I wasn't even like, I don't even remember the rewatch. I just remember it being on. I don't, I don't even, I don't even remember. I had to actually do a actual rewatch like the next day because I didn't even remember like the that night's rewatch. 
I don't remember what. I think that was probably episode uh, uh, six, I think, maybe. That's funny. That's good stuff. Yeah, no, that, that, that's a really cool way to do it. And the the group you put together is is a lot of intelligent people, and they bring funny, you know, funny memes to the group, and you get a lot of intelligent answers when you pose a question, like before the season started, or even before an episode started. You'd be like, "What do you? What does everybody think tonight?" A simple question, and you get like these paragraph responses and the replies, and it was all good reads. It was uh, very interesting, I, you know, and I like being a part of that group, people who are intelligent. So I'm sure. Having some of those people over who respect the show is definitely a fun way to watch. Yeah, and it's a good mix of of BRs and MBRs, but with no with no like spoiler. I mean, what what are what are the book readers going to do at this point? But still, with no real spoilers for uh, anything from the books. And then um, I think uh, one of you guys, whoever was running the podcast Winterfell feed, uh, tweeted tweeted the group, and I know Axel posted it on his Facebook as well. And we got a, uh, we got a, uh, I'd say probably a good, not too many, but maybe like five to ten people who who requested to join the group after that. And of course, everybody that listens to you guys is 100% qualified to be in the group. So having them added, added an added an additional dynamic, which is pretty cool too. I, I put like a quiz of like three questions for people that have to answer to get in. And I wanted it to be stuff that you couldn't Google easily. And I just did this maybe at some point within the past, I don't know, three, four weeks. So you didn't have to, you didn't have to do it, but <laughs> I got lucky. Uh, yeah. But I mean, you, you'd have had no problem, but it, it's a, I think it was like, I think one question, actually, I know exactly when I did it. It was the episode before, uh, Gendry came back. So whichever episode that was, I think that was the Eastwatch episode, right? Yeah. That was episode five. So it was, uh, before episode five, but after episode four, because one of the questions is who is Gendry and where is he now? And half the responses were uh, off rowing. Some he's Robert Brathian's bastard son. He's off rowing somewhere. And then the other half of the responses were he's with Davos uh, north of the wall, <laughs> you know? So it was, yeah, it was sometime in between episodes four and five, but yeah, that's one of the questions. Um, uh, I can't even remember what the other questions are. That's a good way to weed out the people who don't know what they're talking about, though, or who at least are more intelligent than the other people. Because there's a, you know, you don't want, it's, it's real frustrating dealing with the people. Oh, yeah, you know that little guy who's, who's, uh, I think he's sister with the, the, the king's uh, mother. Uh, it, you know, I'm <laughs> like, come on, really? I'm like, I, you know, we're at, we're already at season, season seven, uh, six, seven, and, you know, I can't hear this anymore. Like, we season one, two, like when we're all getting acclimated, it, it was tough. I had to actually, before Matt started podcast Winterfell, I knew I was gonna be on a lot of the calls. I printed out all the family trees, and I'm I'm like studying up, and I and of course I didn't want to nice. sound like a moron, but you know that's a little extreme. That's you know in the super fan realm, but you know there's these people that casual viewers. It's just like it's very annoying talking to them. Yeah, so it it helped weed out a little bit of the. Uh just any old body trying to get in who's going to be in the group and and uh not be able to really contribute in a way that uh meets my standards so i threw up the quiz questions and then had a couple of have a, had a couple of you guys fans request to be in the group so that made the conversation even better in season seven so it's been the group's been really fun i hope to expand it a little bit more uh between season seven and eight 
which should give me about five years, but I hope <laughs> to expand it and uh, get get a bigger turnout and hopefully hopefully there can be some traveling and uh, you know maybe some people from out of town can pop up or maybe I can pop up somewhere else uh, sometime next season. So take it take it to another level. Absolutely, yeah. If that if that con thing happens again, the uh, Game of Thrones con, I think we're gonna really try to make a big push to have podcast Winterfell represented there. Either oh, actually, a, as a crew oh, or you know maybe a table. Who knows? Uh, yeah. Speaking of which, I, actually, I just got an email about that uh, last week. It's gonna be in Dallas in uh, May, I think. Interesting. All right. Cool. Yeah. Uh, are you looking to do that again this year? Absolutely. Now, yeah, that was a very good interview you gave with Axel. I, I enjoyed it because, I, you know, I didn't get to go. I saw some pictures, and the way you described it was real good. And uh, if anybody hasn't listened to that, we recorded it right before the season started. So uh, I'm not sure the number of the episode, but go back, you know, maybe a few uh, months into the feed, and you'll find it. Yeah, I think it was literally the last episode before the premiere, I think, or second to last one or the other, yeah. So here you have it, breaking news, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to be in Dallas in May. Yep. I want to say it was um, like Memorial Day weekend in uh, May. Oh, that's good. Even extra day off gives it, makes it a little more fun. Yep. I know they had uh, Dragon Con this weekend down in Atlanta. I saw a lot of people on it on Instagram and Twitter down there. That seems, uh, you know, on a next level than what I'm used to as far as, you know, the cons <laughs> yeah. and stuff. But uh it's uh, interesting. You know, we got dragons in our show, so I can't hate on Dragon Con. Absolutely. All right, so that was cool, and I uh, appreciate you telling us a little bit about the, the meetups and the, and the fan watches. That's, uh, that's interesting. I like, thank, I like hearing that, and uh, we appreciate you on, and now we want to hear your thoughts about the season in depth. So, Oh, boy. Yeah, give us a – all right, let's start. Uh, most uh, Worst episode. Worst episode? Um, oh, that's a tough one. Uh, I didn't dislike any episode, but if I if I had to choose a, I'd say least good episode. I wouldn't want to call it worst, but uh, I'd say it'd probably be the second or third one. Uh, I think the second one was Stormborn, and the third was uh, was it the Queen's Justice? The Queen's Justice, something like that. Yep. Uh, yeah, I think I'd, I'd say maybe the second one. I can't even really recall much from that episode. I, I remember the 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 Queen's Justice one is the one that ended with uh, Lady Olena's death. Uh, I know it had some. I think it had the uh, the scene with Cersei and the Alaria uh, uh, Sand and the the, dog, the Sand Snake. Uh, so like there was some stuff in that one, but I, I can't even remember anything from the second one off the top of my head, honestly. Yeah, I might have. I'm gonna phrase it wrong. Uh, you know, it, I didn't mean worst one. I meant like you know, right, the one you like the least. Because this is Game of Thrones we're talking about. It's not like yeah, it's bad, exactly. bad episodes. But all right, so so we'll go there and, and we'll jump to your favorite. Which one do you like the best? Well, that's easily the spoils of war episode. Uh, the that'd be episode four with the uh, with the dragon and Dothraki attack on Jamie Bron and the. Uh, little wagon trail i thought that was um i thought that was probably one of the best action sequences i've seen on tv ever like and this show constantly does stuff like that but um 
like visually the way like you could just see that they were like at the top of their game with that. There were no flaw there were no flaws in the CGI. The camera angles with like uh Dragon or Danny POVs and uh these shots from like where you're watching Drogon from like from the side just spewing fire across entire groups of people and the little I'll say the little things but like the little things like seeing like the wind blow ashes of people away like stuff like that then they had like tracking shots that like long shots with like no cuts that like followed Bron throughout the throughout the confusion and like it, there was so much great stuff in that episode and, and in that sequence and that episode even had a I think it had something else that was pretty good uh prior to that too um Oh, I think that was the same episode where uh, Bran made it back to Winterfell as well. It was Arya, actually. Yeah, that's right, Arya, because it had the uh, the the scene with her and Brienne and stuff. Yeah, so yeah, it was Arya made it back to Winterfell in that episode. So that was another that was another great moment in that episode. That episode was yeah top notch. That's a top ten episode to me. I gotta agree with you. I I think that's the best episode of the season. And I heard a a few podcasts that were you know, they kind of very very big book people that were doing these podcasts and they were they were ripping it up and i'm like i, I just couldn't believe it i'm like this is crazy and i i was just so not with them uh i loved it i thought it gave us a perfect amount of the cgi and it was it was well done every everywhere like i couldn't find anything that was that looked cheesy um the battle was set up cool the you had that that was you know the episode where you had brown and jamie dishing lines back and forth uh, mm-hmm. it just, it, it worked. It worked for me big time. Yeah. I, I was just sitting there watching it. Like, this is amazing. Like just, it, it it was just a great show of just everything that that show stands for and hits on consistently is that, you know, that if you get, if you, if you're getting a big battle episode, it's going to deliver. And that was like the pinnacle of delivering on big battle sequences I still personally like Hard Home better, but that was one of the finest uh, finest moments in that show's history was that that sequence. Yeah, I, I mean, the battle episodes are always so good. I mean, yeah, Blackwater is phenomenal. Hard Home is phenomenal. This brought it, it, it just in a, in a totally different way. We got this, we got the, the payoff of the dragon in battle. And that that was just so climactic for the whole show so i you know it's it's to me when i after i do like a whole show rewatch again of with with this season included it's gonna be tough to rank those battles uh yeah i I think well i've already ranked them in my head pretty much but <laughs> I mean, but yeah it, it it is it's a tough call to make uh hard home still still my number one and still not even really debatable for me like i i I at no point did I entertain putting this ahead of Hard Home, and I think to not talk about Hard Home too much, but uh, one of the things that I think made Hard Home special for me was it was the first time I feared for uh, feared for the life of a, a major character. Like I really thought that John was about to die like eight times in that in that episode. <laughs> so like I, I, that that to me brought the tension up several notches, whereas a lot of the other ones were kind of like. Oh, this is really cool to watch. Oh, this is really cool to watch. This looks amazing. Look at that. Look at that. What was the the Watchers on the Wall one where like the uh like one of the giants shot an arrow or some shit? Like 
<laughs> that like though like it was like really cool sequences, but Hard Home was like the first time where I was where the tension level was incredibly high because I had no clue what was gonna happen, and I I thought John could die at any moment, and we learned so much from that episode too. That was when we learned that his that Valyrian steel could kill kill White Walkers. That was when we learned that the Night King could raise dead people and make them whites at will. Like there was so much cool shit from that episode. Yeah, it really was a pivotal episode. It was really good. But uh, all right, let's bring it back to this season. What do you think about our force-fed love affair between uh, Aegon Targaryen and Daenerys Targaryen? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't have any problems with it, in all honesty. I mean, look, man, it, it's it's a make-believe TV show. <laughs> like, uh, I, I don't, and this show has established that incest will take place from season one, episode one. So it's not like it's it was something I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe they're going there. They've gone there from the very first episode. If you read anything outside of what you watch on TV, and they mentioned it on the show as well that the Targaryens have a history of, of doing this. It was just, a, it was like, okay, this is what's happening. It's a fake show. <laughs> it's in medieval times. Like, why would I nitpick this? Um, <laughs> I meant more like the relationship instead of the incestual part. But Oh, I, oh no, I was going to hit on that too. All right. <laughs> but yeah, but I, I, I had that in my notes to talk about how there's like a, a large swath of people who are upset about the incest for, portion of it. So I, I wanted to get that out that I don't care about that. On the show, I care about it in real life, but not on the show. So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but uh, anyway, as far as the uh, the relationship itself, um, again, we all probably saw it coming heading into the season. But I thought they did a really good job of, in a especially particularly in a season that was so fast paced, kind of doing a slow boil with that relationship. Like it had, you know, it was very subtle at first. Looks, touches, kind of like you could kind of feel it, not really. Then it built up to that moment where, you know, after uh, John got saved from the uh, from the actual battle, and uh, where they they were holding hands, and Danny kind of pulled back, like they 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 built it up, I think, as well as you can build up a relationship in a truncated number of episodes. So by the time it reached its climax, no pun intended, no, that was intended. <laughs> by the time it reached its climax, I was not, I had no problems with it. It it, it felt believable to me. And I also thought that they did a good job of selling me on that, considering that I personally think they're two of the least talented actors on the show. I don't think they're distractingly bad or anything, but I think that Kit Harrington and Amelia Clark are not the best actors on the show, but I thought they both did a really great job with selling me on that relationship over the course of what maybe like, when did he show up at Dragonstone? Episode three or two? Uh, but yeah, I think it was three. Yeah, so over the course of five episodes, uh, I thought they did a pretty good job of making that believable. Yeah, it was. I mean, as soon as I, you know, I kind of figured it was going to happen. Uh, you know, from a few, you know, at least a season ago. But at this point, like when when I saw him asking Miss Sunday, you know, what kind of ruler is she, and all those questions, I'm like, yeah, it's a wrap. This is happening. You you know, they, it, it it was. I liked it. I thought you know, thinking of it as a you know, a whole story. I like where it could possibly lead in a positive way. And I also like where it could go negatively. So I, either one could entertain me. Where, what do you, what are your thoughts on it going negatively? Where do you, how do you, where do you, how do you see that potentially play out? Uh, I could see 
the them finding out John's parentage and somebody saying John really has the right to the throne and Danny flipping out and going all mad King's daughter on everybody and, you know, completely like disavowing like his claim to the throne because this is something she's been pushing for. I could, you know, I could just see them flipping it on us and making Danny a lunatic and them not, you know, something, something going bad or John finding out and John not wanting to be together because of that. Um, I th- I just think there could be a, a few other things that they could write in there with it going south. I'd absolutely love for that to happen. I've been I've been pro Mad Queen for quite some time. Anytime I got an inkling of it, I was like, yes, let's go there. I, I want I want to see Mad Queen. Yeah, Tyrion kept provoking that. I felt like this season, every time he had a, a, something to say to her, especially in that one on one conversation, she just like snapped on him, and like you could see her. Like temperature, you know, flare up. Like, like she got to put her guard up. Yeah, and he's like, uh, "I'm here to make sure you don't do anything impulsive." And she, she <laughs> almost like was like taken off, taken aback. Like, what me impulsive? Like, yeah, you just burn those two guys like into a hole in the ground, <laughs> and who's like literally flipping out right now at the idea of being impulsive? Like, you're literally being impulsive about being impulsive. Like, she, like so I'm like waiting for her to turn. I was actually kind of disappointed. That it never really happened. Yeah, and she's been so calm, uh, you know, most of the the whole series with her demeanor, you know, and, and almost naive in a way. And now I could see like something triggering her to just snap. And I, I think it would be make a more uh, interesting character, especially if she could act it well. Yeah, and I mean, I I don't know how you feel about this, but I mean, I I have an idea. But it, it, in my opinion her storyline up through like season five was not very interesting to me. So I've been kind of waiting for her character to become a bit more compelling and it took that turn, but having her go evil would make, would turn it up several notches. I'd absolutely love to see that. Yeah. You know, and this show is known for curveball. So, you know, just a, just a, a thought I had and was thinking about because it could definitely bring a problem. But I like the the pairing. You know, it as it is as it stands now. You know, like I said, either way, I'm I'm for it right now. And I, you know, I'd like to see a little baby, see what happens, and see if this is that prince that was promised that we we've been hearing about. I think for sure the baby's happening. Yeah, I mean they they, they you know they they made too many references to her not being able to have a baby this season. You did a great job of pointing that out, by the way, too, because like I think there was an episode where I don't know. I don't know if it was a call in. I think it probably was. But you pointed out like multiple instances in which they referenced uh, each of them potentially having or not having kids. It was the same episode where John uh, had the conversation with Jorah and Jorah hands him the sword back. And he's like, maybe for your kids one day. And John makes that. Makes that face like, hmm, yeah, yeah, maybe for my kids, and you know, and I think early in that episode that something somebody mentioned somewhere about Danny not having kids, and so yeah, uh, you did a good job of pointing all that stuff out. So that actually kind of brought it to my attention. I was like, yeah, he's right. Like, they have really been pointing toward that a lot. So I'm re- I'm ready for her to be pregnant with young Eddard. Oh yeah, yeah, the name prediction. A lot of people are going <laughs> around saying that. I like that. I'm I'm down with that name. Yeah. Young Eddard Targaryen, ready for it. 
Yeah, what do you think? You think you think Sam and, and Bran are going to tell him? Or do you think he'll make his way back? Or it's going to be like a raven? What's, what's, how's he going to find out? That is, to me, the most interesting question that I'm kind of waiting to see how it plays out. And, I mean, it's a little bit more interesting now that Sam has information, too. So now it, it can be a little bit more feasible coming from somebody who John trusts so much. But prior to this, I'm thinking, like, how do you expect to sell not just John, but anybody on the idea that John is the rightful heir to the throne based off a uh, a crippled Stark's visions. Like, you're not going to... No one's going to take Bran seriously just saying, hey, I saw this, take my word for it. <laughs> so I think it helps if uh, if Sam can come back with a little bit of uh, a little bit of fact-based information. And then I also think that we could also stand to have a, uh, a Howland Reed... Uh, debut as well that I think could also help with that and uh you know Mira said she was going to go back home to be with her family and I've been thinking this whole time that why haven't they had Holland Reed on this show like that like I feel like that's going to be a great way to somehow sell this to John who one otherwise won't believe it and two also otherwise probably doesn't care he's he could be perfectly believe he could be believing that he's actually a Targaryen and still go but that's not who I am. I'm still a Stark. So he could find it out, believe it, and completely dismiss it. Well, I've kind of been saying that, like, since the start. Like, it doesn't really matter that if he finds out, because he's still going to be John. And I think that was kind of, like, backed up with the conversation he had with Theon. When he's like, you're, even though you're uh, Greyjoy, you're a Stark. And he, like, right. you know, you could see where John's head is at. You know, by telling Theon that he's not just saying it to Theon; it's actually what he believes. You know, especially coming from being treated as as the bastard of of Ned his whole life. You know, he knows what really matters in family is not what's on paper or what people say; it's how you feel about it. Exactly, which is why I also hope that what you said about Daenerys not taking too kindly to it is is that's how I hope it plays out. Because I feel like Jon's not going to care. He's going to be like, well, I'm a Stark and I'm going to continue not caring about wanting to be on the Iron Throne. All I care about is defeating the dead. And I don't uh, he might believe it. He might not. But he's not going to care. Whereas Daenerys, who has spent her entire time thinking that the throne is rightfully hers to find out that the guy she just had sex with is actually next the the rightful heir to the throne. I could I could see that being a a problem. So I'd really like for that to happen. Yeah, or she sleep talks and says Dracarys and poof, lights John on fire. <laughs> that would also be pretty interesting. <laughs> uh yeah, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. So uh where do you see what do you where do you see this whole thing going? What like what is it are we gonna get like battle first and, and then politics? Or you think there's gonna be a lot of politics tied up in in this uh, whole thing? Before before I even kinda get into that 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 thought in and of itself uh, prompted uh, another thought that I had when I was kind of like mentally preparing to have this discussion. I thought about the fact that coming into this season, we all thought that uh, when I say we all, I mean like a lot of the fandom thought that this would be a like by the end of this season, we would have wrapped up the political Iron Throne intrigue and that next season would be man versus dead you know that kind of deal and then that that's not how it turned out it made me think like a lot of times we'll have theories 
again, we being the fandom, will have theories that we think are so good that in our minds we we make them facts, and then when they don't play out that way, we're like, hey, what happened? And it's like, well, that was never supposed to happen. That was just a theory that we had that we became so sold on. And that, that that's what I feel happened this season for a lot of people, was that they were kind of surprised that it didn't play out that way. That, you know, right now at the end of this season, Cersei's in no worse or better off position than she was coming in. And there's still the who will sit on the Iron Throne or whether or not there will be an Iron Throne at the end. All of that's still highly up in the air with only six episodes left. So one thing I think is that a lot of this is not going to be wrapped up until literally the end of the series. I think Cersei's probably going to make it to the end. And when I say the end, I don't necessarily mean the finale, but maybe like the last two episodes or something like that. I think this whole situation with the White Walkers is probably going to last maybe like a battle or two into those six episodes. So I I, I don't really honestly have any predictions for how I think it's going to play out. I have all kinds of wild hopes and dreams like, uh, you know, John sitting the Iron Throne or maybe like, uh, I know I read that George said that the ending is is bittersweet and my main interpretation of the idea of being bittersweet is getting a good result despite uh, having some heartbreak on the path. So I feel like having a bittersweet ending means that we'll ultimately be happy with the conclusion, but we'll suffer some pretty big losses along the way, which to me indicates that we could lose John at some point. Hmm. Uh, that, but yeah, I I mean that that would be cool. Uh, you know, I to see some kind of of you know person we love getting killed off, and I I think at this point, you know. If you're not, not rooting for not the Tyrion. Starks or John, hello, oh, I said not Tyrion though. Oh, not Tyrion. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, if you're not rooting for like the Starks or John, I think like you're probably like warped in your brain. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's, I think that's ultimately how it's going to end with some sort of positive outcome. Positive being maybe no Iron Throne, some sort of democracy. Or somebody who we like ultimately on the Iron Throne, or even like a an ending that indicates that things will be good going forward, but it will end with some sort of huge loss to the fandom. And with John, I I, I here's another thing too about uh, not to go back to Hard Home, but one of my things about hard home was that I was nervous for John since John came back. I haven't been nervous for him since. And that's taken away uh, from some of the impact of these big battles that have happened since. Cause I, I just look at it in a very black and white way. You don't bring a character back from the dead to kill him again. in another few episodes. So during the battle of the bastards, I didn't, I wasn't scared for John at all. So I'm like, he just, he just came back to life eight episodes ago. I don't see why you'd bring him back just to kill him off to for virtually no reason right so just like the you know we got that everybody's like you know wondering oh is beric and Tormund alive and but why would you have that throwaway line where where beric says to the hound we'll meet again you know like <laughs> you know he's gonna come back so like it, it's it, right it takes away those like holy shit like shock value moments that like they're gonna hold oh, there's Barry, he's really alive like no because you kind of just told me like you're gonna bring him back in one of those typical tv tropes yeah and, and just and just 
typical knowledge of just watching TV and being a fan of just how how filmmakers or showrunners tell stories, you you know they're not gonna kill Tormund off screen. Like that that's just not that's why I didn't buy into Axel's theory of like Arya walk Arya wearing Littlefinger's face. Because I'm like, they're not going to kill Littlefinger off screen. And he's like, oh, I wouldn't care if they killed him off screen. I'm like, you might, you may not, but come on. There's no, they're not, that's, he's one of the most, I don't want to say hated, but he's one of the characters that people have been waiting on him to die. And he's just lived somehow all this time. People are clamoring for him to die. You really think they'd kill him off screen? And like, no way. We need that satisfaction. The same thing for Tormund. They're, they're not going to kill Tormund off screen. They're just not. And John's not going to die in a battle unceremoniously eight episodes after he's brought back from the dead. So <laughs> I, I, I didn't feel anything for John in, in the in the Battle of the Bastards episode. But yeah, just a just a small point on that. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I guess it's a curse to uh, watch TV and be so into it and be able to analyze things so much and understand the way things are written and and played out because you kind of you know lose that naive naive you know that naiveness that. That, that most people have when they're watching shows and they, they're like, holy shit. And you're like, wait, you didn't see that coming for four episodes? <laughs> right. Yeah. So I, actually, I have a question for you, actually. All right. Yeah, yeah. Um. So I, I, I want to discuss this with you. Your gripes regarding episode uh, six. I wanted to talk about the complaints that revolved this season around the pacing and like the uh, jetpacking. <laughs> like like that shit like I didn't care about that at all and like take for instance the exact uh the situation with in that episode where we had them walking from Eastwatch to an undisclosed point we had Gendry running back to Eastwatch in an undisclosed period of time Raven to Dragonstone Danny to undisclosed point there's a whole lot of sketchy, like, okay, how did, you know, how did this happen or whatever? But one of the things that never bothered me about uh, any of the uh, jetpacking or quick, quick movements from one place to another, there were two things that, two reasons that didn't bother me. The first was we spent, I don't know, the first five seasons, and again, we being the fandom, uh, complaining, not me, but complaining about the pace of the show. Saying like, oh, uh, Arya's going so-and-so. I guess she'll get there in two seasons. Or, oh, Danny's doing this. I guess she'll get there in two seasons. And complaining about how long it took people to go places. And now the show's moving quickly. And now people are complaining about how fast it's moving. So I, I thought that's one reason I didn't care. And the second is that nothing is established concretely within this world. Like, we don't know how many miles one place is from another from one place to another we don't know how flat fast ravens can fly in this mythical magical make-believe world in a world where ravens can have three eyes we can't sit here and calculate based upon how ravens fly in america you know we don't know they they've also i and i think purposely been unclear about time passage so we don't know how much time's passed like they could have been walking from Eastwatch for four hours we we don't know which would make Gendry running back fairly feasible. Like we don't know how long that was. So like, there like what do you think about the 
fairly high level of displeasure with uh, the travel throughout this season. I think it. my problem with it was I didn't have a problem with it on any other part of the show, really. I got used to understanding, and I, I really understood it from the beginning that time wasn't happening in a linear format like we're used to in a lot of things, and I got that. And, you know, I could understand that they would put Baelish in a scene in one, one place in one episode, the next episode he's in another place, and I understood that that arc of his little sidebar story took extra time, but they just told it to us in a condensed format. But this was too many moving parts for one sequence to happen in that amount of time. It just seemed unrealistic and it seemed unreasonable that like you would be able to have a guy, you know, all these un like first time things that got, you know, Danny navigating for her first time in a place that she's never been, you know, even if the the note said, you know, fly to the, the mountain that looks like an arrowhead, how does she even know where she's headed? She has no idea. So, like, that whole thing is just so cloudy when we're used to getting such tidy answers for things. And I, I wound up letting it go, but I still, you know, it's still there. Like, I, I still can't really, you know, forgive it, all, you know, from being there. I just accepted it. Um, but... You know the Gendry thing, I, right? I like that. That was what you said was the to me was the most reasonable answer. Like it probably could have been four hours walk and maybe a three hour run back. You know, if he's running and he's not walking, you know, at slow speed, I'm sure you know that that could happen. But then within you know, then we're supposed to believe that these guys slept. You know, like they were waking up overnight while all these the dead armies around them, and you know, like. It may it became clearer after analyzing the last episode and thinking about it was a trap and and you know that the Night King wouldn't have moved on them until the dragon came and all right I bought that part of it but still even the scenario of it happening was ridiculous like the the battle placement when John's like all right you know everybody fall back and the dragon lands the the day before we saw them on a three hundred sixty degree circle around you know our uh, quest of the of the you know seven here and the you know the fellowship of the thrones. So there was a, a just a lot of things that happened too too much in the same story arc. If it happened across a few different people's things in that episode that weren't connected, it would have been okay. Or if it would have been a few less things, you know, if say Danny had been at East Watch or something of that nature. Um, I think it might have worked better, but I, that it was just it didn't flow correctly to me. That that was the whole thing, you know. It wasn't so much the time as the flow, the 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 feel of it. It didn't feel right. I'm a I'm a hundred percent with you on the uh, how would Danny know where to go thing. I thought that was a really strong point, and I also you didn't mention this just now, but of course it was mentioned. I think at the time, I thought that the thing with Benjamin was ridiculous. Like Benjamin going, there's no time. And like literally in that shot, he goes, there's no time. And you can't even see like whites in the background. <laughs> then like John run, John rides off and then he looks, he looks there and he stands there. And then they, then the next shot, they're fairly close to him. But I'm like, in the time that you said, there's no time, you could have just got on the horse. Like, <laughs> right? and, I, and, that, and that was the thing where it's like, you could have just 
you being Dan and Dave and whoever directed the episode, uh, you could if you wanted that to happen, you could have just made the White Walkers literally the whites be right there, like literally like clawing at him. Or you could have had uh, a longer passage of time to where they could have been closer. You could have had them being real, real close in the background. But it's like that was like I think a that was like a situation that they brought on themselves. Like the the unbelievability of that was a self inflicted gunshot. Like they didn't have to do they didn't have to make it that sloppy. But um the I I heard a lot of complaints about the fall back line. And uh, I think the, the the way I interpreted that, which is why I didn't have a problem with it, is that that glacier thing that they were on was like on an incline. And I'm thinking like the way I interpret it is that they were like kind of at the base of it. And when he was saying fall back, he was having them like move back, but also upward onto the glacier. And it was just a, a way of buying a little bit more time because they had the whites that were like kind of like jumping up at the at the high end of the glacier that were like kind of like making their way climbing up it on that end. So John was basically like at the tip of it, looking down at all the whites that are piling up. And then behind him, he's got everybody else fighting and the whites are pushing upward up the glacier. So when he said fall back, I, like I, somebody on one of the podcasts was like fall back to where? And like when I watched it, I was just like, he just meant fall back and which would be up this glacier to buy a little bit more time. So that was my explanation for that. So he got um, he, he meant to say fall back to my baby mama dragon. <laughs> well, that was before she got there. I know, so, I know. <laughs> so he was he was just like trying to buy a little bit more time. Uh but I mean you know, that, I, I didn't have any problems with she that. She had perfect timing. Thank God she came when she of did, course. huh? Yeah, <laughs> of course, right. <laughs> that that's 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 the that's one of the hallmarks of any, any battle sequence on this show is uh, someone arrives at the perfect time to save the day, whether it's uh, the Knights of the Veil or it's uh, Stannis and his army or it's Danny and a dragon. <laughs> Some, Uncle, or it's Benjen. Drogon himself, Uncle Benjen. Yeah, they arrive right in the nick of time. So That's something that they have no problem doing over and over on this show. Let's go back to the Benjen thing. Now, it really was like out of the blue ridiculous. And it just all of a sudden he comes and boom. And I'm like... I didn't really want to like go crazy because I was already going nuts to that episode, and I I just didn't even want to get into the Benjamin thing, so I never really touched on it. But after the season ended, and I'm starting to think about that the Night King really did set that trap, and there was somehow he knew that the you know he would have a dragon eventually in the chains, and it all started coming together. And I bought into that theory that 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 was a trap, and I'm I'm starting to think, and I'm like, wait a second, now Benjamin comes helps out Bran, Bran breaks the spell and the Night King gets in his head. So Benjen helped fuck that up. And then Benjen comes out, saves John after the Night King gets his dragon out of the blue. Where the hell was Benjen before that? And sends John away. And then nobody like really chased John. Like, was it to really send him away on purpose? Like to make sure that they have that baby? Like, is that, that going to be the goal? Is that what the Night King wants to like push that whole storyline so he can get that baby? Like it's, it's, it could be. Yeah. Like it's too convenient that Benjamin shows up and does these things and then bounces. He doesn't like stick with his family. Like what's wrong with you, dude? Like, like chill with John, take him on the horse and be out. So are you, are you officially theorizing that, uh, Benjamin 
was affiliated with the with the White Walkers? I I, I can't say it's official, but it's definitely a conspiracy. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I buy it. I buy it. It was it was weird. I he just pop up at at perfect timing and then disappear. I don't think the the Night King is. I don't think that was part of the plan. Was to let John get away. I had a theory that ultimately didn't play out, but my theory was that the the white that they captured, you know how when they first captured that white, he screeched really loud, and I felt that that was like a call to the others. I felt like the the part of the Night King's plan was to allow that white to be captured so he could essentially use it almost like a GPS, like could track it, and that he knew that that white would be taken to where all the major players were going to be at. So I figured he was going to crash the party at the Dragon Pit because I was like, he, he's they're going to have the white there. Cersei's going to be there. John's going to be there. Danny's going to be there. Everybody who matters is going to be there. That thing's going to like screech or something or it, or it's connected to the Night King in some sort of way, being that the Night King's theoretically created all the white walkers and thus all the whites that those white walkers created there's some sort of innate connection and that he was going to use that white as like a tracker to show up on Viserion wherever that white was at it didn't play out that way but I thought it was a good theory that would have been dope I would have loved that I would have been like yeah like kill them all let's see that scene Danny saw in her head <laughs> right that, that that's another reason I thought too I was like that's that would make sense why she would have seen either whatever it was, Ash, Snow, whatever in that vision was from the Night King riding up on Viserion and laying waste to King's Landing. That's what I thought was going to happen. But didn't play out that way, but it was still pretty cool. Sure was. This this whole show has been good. I, I, this this conversation's good. What else you got? Um, Let's see. What else do I have? Oh, I had one point that I thought was interesting. I thought this season had very, very few major deaths. And that really surprised me because I thought it would have, like, the most. I was like, they're going to kill off half the fucking cast this year. <laughs> and really, it, it, it depends on how you define a major character. But for me, the only real major death was was Littlefinger. Like, I mean, I, don't, I definitely didn't care about those Sand Snakes. Uh, Lady Olenna would probably be the second biggest death. And I felt like her her death was kind of anticlimactic. It was like... Jamie leaves the room and she sits there. And we're like, okay, well, she's going to die in a few minutes. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> yeah, I guess the info that she gave out was more the the climax of that. Um, yeah. yeah, there wasn't a lot of lot of deaths, a lot of tidying up of houses and regions, which I guess was more the the purpose of a lot of the deaths. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, I, I mean, before the season started, my thing was I wanted to see a lot of death. We got a lot. I mean, the Arya's in the phrase in the beginning was phenomenal. Um, but you're right. It wasn't any a lot of our big players. Like, I, you know, we lost Thoros of Mir. And to me, he wasn't a big player because I don't like those brotherhoods without balance anyway. And he played such a small role. Like, he didn't really have a big impact. He was cool as hell, like, when he, you know, he was on screen and fighting. But... It wasn't like a big deal to me that he was gone. And I would have felt like a lot more emotion if it was a Tormund that got pulled in. Yeah, me too. I was that I was actively nervous for that. I was like, oh shit, are we really going to lose Tormund? Like, I, I was pretty upset. So Especially that since yeah. that whole episode, they're giving him sick lines while they're walking out. And I'm like, 
Right. Like, the guy that's the funniest is usually like the first guy to go in a typical show or movie. Like the guy that has the most lines in that episode out of nowhere. Because it's not like that was a common thing in, in most of his scenes. Yeah, that's true. Maybe that was done on purpose to make us make those of us who read into it that deeply uh, be more concerned for him during the battle. Because it, it definitely worked. Yeah, it definitely worked. I was wor- I was really worried. I was like, man, this might really be about to happen. But yeah, I thought that was interesting because I know coming into the season in my group, I, I posed the question like, so who do you guys think is going to be the first major death? Who's who's going to who's going to kick the bucket this year? And there were all kinds of great guesses. And uh, I know Axel thinks Cersei's going to die every season. He's <laughs> inevi- he's inevitably probably going to be right heading into season eight. <laughs> Cersei very well may may finally take the the ultimate loss in season eight. But um, yeah, but like. I can't, you know, everybody had all kinds of great guesses about who might die and why. And I, man, like, I feel like everybody made it except Littlefinger. I, and Lady Olena never really crossed my mind as somebody who I was, who I'd be concerned or cared about if they died. And yeah, man, every Jamie, a, not, a lot of people thought Jamie wasn't going to make it. Uh, a lot of people thought, I know I personally, I thought Theon wasn't going to make it. I wanted um, Theon to not make it. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I, I thought that was an, just an, an interesting note. Like, wow, wasn't too many major deaths this year. Uh, what, what do you see happening? Why is Theon still alive? Why is that whole storyline still alive? What, I have no idea. It's terrible. I have no idea. I, I don't know why, and I don't know why that's actually a storyline heading into the final season. Theon going to save Yara, and like Yara was not present outside like once she got captured by Euron we didn't see her again that was probably like what maybe like the last four or five episodes uh we barely saw Euron this year like he had he had a great little debut in those first couple episodes some great some great banter with Jamie and then we didn't see Euron again until the finale but uh, yeah I don't know why this Theon thing is playing out and I can't for the life of me figure out why this is a a major plot point heading into the final season I mean, it's got to have some big payoff. At the most, I'm thinking it was for that John talk, like maybe like just to to really hit that home, and you know, I don't know, and I can't see what they would do other than maybe somehow killing Euron, like which still wouldn't be a big deal to me because that's only one guy on one ship, and they got all these cell swords coming on other ships. Like it really doesn't make a difference to me about Euron. Yeah. Um. So. What did you think about, because this is one thing that I didn't like. Um, I didn't like the way the Arya and Sansa thing was playing out because I liked the way it ended in the finale, the culmination of it. That was perfectly fine. But to me, the way that read was that all the stuff that happened prior, the, the arguments between the two of them was legit. And during that time when those episodes were airing, those arguments to me did not feel true to those characters. I felt like we've watched Arya grow from season one to a, from a season one kid who wanted to be a badass to a fully fleshed out face swapping, uh, sword swinging badass who's learned a great deal. She's been blinded. She's been stabbed, all this kind of crazy stuff. Same thing for Sansa. We've watched her go through a lot. I, I, Personally, I think Sansa's growth throughout the course of this series is incredibly called into question, but whatever. We've seen her go through a lot. To have them come together and still 
bicker back and forth like kids. I was like, there's no way. Like, Arya's screwing with her. Like, this is some sort of test. This can't be what it is. And for the way it played out, it seems like it literally played out where, like, Sansa maybe had a discussion with Bran, found out all of this information, and they just came together and were like, all right, well, let's take care of Littlefinger now, which me, which to me says that all those arguments were for real, which to me, it felt very, uh, it felt like it undercut all the growth that we've seen from these characters over the course of the past uh, seven years. So, like, that that didn't sit well with me because it, it also played into the fact that I didn't care for how they did with what they did with Arya and Bravos, like the whole stabbing and everything like that. I thought that was another really another situation where we gave Dan and Dave the benefit of the doubt. We thought, no, there's no way Arya actually got stabbed and is dying. And we came up with all kinds of theories over the course of that week as to how it wasn't Arya that got stabbed or how maybe Arya was wearing the waif's face. Or, you know, all kinds of crazy theories. And it literally was just what it was. She got stabbed and she was somehow fine. And we spent this season thinking like, oh, Arya's playing some kind of trick. This is some kind of test. Uh, Axel's thinking that uh, she's wearing Littlefinger's face. Like, we got all kinds of crazy theories. And it literally was just what it was. And it was dumb. Like, I, I just think that was dumb. Like, to have those two characters bickering back and forth like kids showed that there was essentially no growth on their part. It undermined everything that I've come to expect out of it, particularly Arya. So that's the way that played out. Didn't sit well with me at all this season. Yeah. I, I liked it, the back and forth because it, it was in the, especially in the beginning, because it gave me that, like that nostalgic feeling, but it did go a little bit too far. And then I kind of caught on that, that, you know, especially when they showed little finger looking at Arya breaking into his room I felt that Arya would have never let that get to that point where he saw her. Uh, and at that point is when I knew that they were setting him up. But then as it kept playing on, um, I think it was maybe like the th- third to last episode, uh, Shadowcat in the fan calling show, she said, you know, she's a film editor, and she said that she felt that it was it was an editing problem and that, and that they, they didn't piece the scenes together correctly. And so then... I started thinking about that, and then the season ended, and I'm, I'm I'm thinking about it, and I was thinking, like, it probably, other than seeing the scene where Arya comes home to Winterfell, and, and that that uh, scene with her looking at Winterfell on the horseback, I could have waited until, say, episode five or six, and had all this happen in a half of an episode, and shift a lot of other things around, and bring this you know, wild climax towards the end of the season, but make it all happen at once. Don't, don't, I don't need to have it broken down piece by piece, which is what part of the problem with the house of black and white was, is that it was broken down too much instead of letting us understand the passage of time went on through less. We don't need as much. We don't need a weekly check-in to find out that she's sweeping the floor. I don't, you know, I don't need to know that. (laughs) So, I think it was done that way, but you know, just the way they did it, and it just it was too stretched out. But if you think about it, the way they wrote Arya's story, it kind of goes with Arya's story, like because that's how she was in all the other places she was. 
like just broken down. So is that you know that's how we've been seeing Arya. So I'm not sure if it was stylistically done like that or or they just wanted to really stretch out the suspense of it. Uh, yeah, I just I can't figure it out. Um, it worked in the end, but it really wasn't. It didn't read well. Yeah, it, it didn't work for me at all. The idea that a character that we watched go through what she went through in Bravos to come back and be so easily manipulated by Littlefinger. I thought, like, there's no way. She has to be playing him. There's no way. But the way it played out makes makes it look like she she was literally manipulated by him into fighting with her sister. And then at some point, which also is, to me, sloppy, that we didn't get to see, at some point they come to this realization that they're being played by Littlefinger off screen. Because there was an interview with uh, Isaac, uh, what's his name? Isaac Hempstead, Hempstead right? Right, yeah. And he said something like, yeah, the, that they cut a scene where Sansa comes to talk to him. And I'm like, you've spent, like, I feel like if you're Dan and Dave, you're looking like, okay, we have several scenes and several episodes that show one of our sharpest characters being played for a fool. We really need to have this scene that shows how they overcame this. Because to me, that should have never existed in the first place, the idea of of Arya being manipulated by Littlefinger. But if you're going to have it and you want us to buy it, show us the show us her overcoming it. So it was like it was cool to see them come together and kill him. But at the same time, after the episode was over, I thought, like, that's really so that's it. Like they just somehow figured it out and they were actually for real fighting up to this point. Like that that just didn't sit well with me at all. Uh, that was probably my biggest biggest issue with the season because right. I, I just don't like when they undermine the, the, the growth or progression of a character and make them do things that don't fit in with what they've told me this character is like up to this point. Yeah, like if they would have showed us even even uh which they never do, but like a quick flashback at during that like trial scene of at the Godswood, the three of them still continuing in that conversation about and leading into the little finger and setting it up, then it would have made sense. And it would have been like, oh, this whole thing you know, was from the start, but the way they explained it, it made it seem like it could have been the day before that Bran said, all right, girls, stop fighting. This is really how it's going down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and these are things that they could, they could fix these things with even a single line of dialogue or a single moment. Like, like Isaac Hempstead, Wright Said like they cut a scene where Sansa came to visit Bran and it could have been as simple as, I think this is actually what he said it was. Like she knocks on the door, he opens it, and she says something like, we need to talk. Five seconds, and it completely explains everything. We can watch the finale and be like, okay, this is how they got there. But I don't know. That that whole thing didn't sit well with me. And it leads me into actually the last point that I think I have written down for things that I wanted to talk about, which was um, I have a little bit of concern over how Dan and Dave are handling the original material. Because when we talk about like the great moments in the past two seasons, it has been the culmination of things that were otherwise sloppy up to that point. So if you think about like like Arya's storyline, for instance, I had a lot of issues with the stuff that happened at the House of Black and White. But ultimately, at the very end, it was 
a girl is Arya Stark and I'm going back to Winterfell and now I'm going to kill Walter Frey and I'm going to kill all the Freys. Like, it ultimately played out great. But the path to getting there featured a lot of sloppiness. And I feel the same way about this Littlefinger arc. The the end point, really, really good. But the path to get there felt just wrong. And it makes me wonder if uh, George is essentially like giving them these very specific beats like, okay, we're going to have Arya and Sansa kill Littlefinger. How are we going to get there? You guys figure it out. We're going to have Arya put on Walter Frey's face and she's going to kill Walter Frey. How she's going to get there? You figure it out. We're going to have Ice Viserion, White Viserion, whatever you want to call them, knock down a part of the wall. How is this going to happen? Figure it out. And they come up with this hokey ass plan of like, let's go north of the wall, grab a white and bring it to King's Landing. Like, what the fuck? Nobody thought that that was a good idea. I, I didn't hear a single podcast or a single opinion that thought, yeah, that tracks. Everybody was like, this is the worst plan I've ever heard. But everybody on the show is selling it as like, yeah, let's do that. And I, it, it makes me call into question their ability to write original material. Because if that's if, if if George told them the Night King's gonna knock down the wall on a on a white version of Viserion, figure out how we get there, and that's what they come up with, like let's go have them kidnap a white and bring it back to Cersei for ultimately no reason, since Cersei Cersei faked this whole idea of going along with their plan anyway. So really, all of that was for naught. Like if, if that was like how, what they came up with, it it gives me a little bit of concern. I don't. I don't know if you if you thought about that at all, or have any thoughts on that. Yeah, I feel the same way, and I didn't even read the books, but I could just tell the complete difference of the show. And you, you know, I said it the other night. Uh, I believe it was on the the, the three hour fan call, and um, I saw that today, and I, I haven't listened to it yet. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I, I'm like, I have a lot of trouble uh, listening to podcasts. I'm like super busy, and. I refreshed my podcast feed earlier today and I saw that you had a fan call and it was three hours long. <laughs> Dude, it was and crazy. I, I started salivating. I'm like, I can't wait to listen to that. But I'm sorry, go ahead. But yeah, it, and that's, you know, I said maybe maybe that's the big con that George is doing. Like, he's making these guys, he's giving them the bullet points, they're writing their version, and then his shit's going to be completely different and it's going to be like the biggest marketing scheme where he's like, yeah, you guys want to know what really happens? Read my book. And it, it and it's gonna fucking work. <laughs> yeah, because like, I'm like such, clamoring, like to, yeah, to get the books now. Such an attention to detail, like exactly. You know, I think that's where they lacked. I mean, they had so much to pull off of. As if I mean, even down to you know, I didn't read the books, but you hear about everybody talking about the food, and you know, you would look at the, you wouldn't hear about the food in the show, but you'd look at the spread that's out on the table in you know, say that that scene when when. Uh, Sansa and all the girls are getting ready and, and, you know, Cersei's talking to them and, you know, they're all, like, young and you see all these heavy costumes and they're all described like crazy in the book. And Mm -hmm. you know that they're taking those cues and even if it's not Dave and Dan who are writing it in, it's the the, um, costume designers or the set creators who have read the material who know, well, this belongs here and this belongs here and they're not including that, and that's why it feels rushed, and it feels a little sloppy and not so precise. This guy, George, writes with precision, and 
it just, you know, I obviously don't know, but I'm, I'm going by what, you know, obviously everything I heard and, and to have that much detail in, in a story and to have book with, you know, books with over 1500 speaking characters, like this show seems like it, it you know, it got let go. Like I was asking the, on the other day, I'm like, you think George is sitting there like at the end of the episode with his hands in his head, like shaking his head, like, oh my God, <laughs> they ruined my show. <laughs> I can definitely see that being the case. I, I I watch it and I I think like you know how we get to these great these great moments has been really sketchy and like you said he they've had a wealth of material to use up to this point and it's I I know entering I'd say season six because after season five that was kind of when we knew that most of the book stuff was done with after season six after season five heading into season six I thought you know I know they're pretty much done with already published book material but I'm thinking like how much do I really need to read the books? Like, you know, if the show wraps up and I know how it ends, do I really care how George tells it? But now after watching six and seven and seeing them reach these great moments with like fairly sloppy progression or just like, you know, downright bad progression at times, if we're looking at some of the Aria stuff, like now I'm immensely curious to see how is George going to end up with, uh, Viserion at the wall. How is George going to end up with Littlefinger dead? Like, how is George going to end up with uh, even stuff like bringing John back to life? Like, all these kinds of things. Now I'm curious about because I feel like Dan and Dave were given free reign to determine how we get to these moments, and I feel like they didn't do all that great of a job at times. Like at times they did great job, but there were times where like I, I really want to see how the events of this season are going to play out in the books. Right, it would like, make I'm it feel really so much curious. better if, like, George came out and was like, they nailed it. You know, then you'd be like, all right, this is the vision. But, you know, you <laughs> I'd don't still know. feel bad, though. I'd be like, well, the, your vision kind of sucked then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, Donald had a, had a, you know, uh, a good tweet. I think it was after episode six. He wrote, this went from a great show to, to a good show. And I still think it's great, but in a sense, he's right. Like, it, it went from perfection to, like, Top tier show still, but it's just not perfection. It's it didn't it didn't feel like that finely tuned machine they had after you know after season one and two. It was like whoa, they know what they're doing, and everything was like so tied together, and every sentence meant something, and you know which I'm sure they still do, but it's just because of the time constraints, everything's so spaced, and it doesn't it doesn't you don't feel the tightness. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that with that concept that thought in general do i think it went from great to good no i still think it's great but i think it's because the bar was so high so i think it it, i'd say the same thought but i'd say something like it went from like excellent to great or phenomenal to really 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 good or something like that i wouldn't put it i wouldn't put it at good because it's still better than almost everything on tv even at its even at its decreased level of quality it's still better than almost everything else to me absolutely so, i can't think yeah. of, a sh- of a show that's better at this at this point you know i can think I st- of yeah. fan favorites that i liked but as overall as like a well-produced really well-written show and well-made like this is the cream of the crop like we this is you know a gigantic movie you know you don't get movies as good as this yeah agreed i, I don't there's still nothing that's that i put above this it's it's my favorite show of all time and a lot of that uh a lot of that is tied to the fact that 
this show has done things that I've never seen on TV before. I still am not seeing the show. I've never watched anything on TV that has had so many moments of like emotional impact, like visceral reactions. I've never cried or anything like that watching the show <laughs> because I'm just, I'm, and it's not to knock, not to knock anyone who has, but it's just cause like, I'm just not a crier. I'm not, I'm very detached from emotions. The only emotion I can really relate to is anger. I get angry real easy, but that's neither here nor there, but I don't cry or anything like that. But like, as far as like reactions, like tension or sadness or joy, like, like just real gut reactions and like sitting there, like holding your breath, like I have no idea what's about to happen, but I'm terrified. Like actual real emotional reactions no show has ever done that for me period let alone so many times like this show has and and couple that with the fact that this show doesn't end with this show like this is the only thing where you can stop watching the show but you can continue to immerse yourself in this world to an insane degree you can go back generations. You can find generations of information about a house. You can read about stuff that's not even in the show, characters that aren't even in the show. Like, this show doesn't end on the TV screen. It can virtually just not end for you. You can end, in a, end up in a Wikipedia wormhole. You can end up reading the books. You can buy the, the World of Ice and Fire book. You can write, get the Dunkin' Egg novels. Like, th- this world does not go away unless you want it to. And none of us want it to. And I think that's the that's the best thing about this show and this world is that it's it's incredibly immersive. Yeah, the fan base is incredible. The lost fan base, which is pretty much where a lot of the podcasting community got their their start as far as when podcasts jumped off and and a show that was so awesome to dig deep into. And that was fun. And that was great. And lost is tremendous. But no show is on the level of Game of Thrones as far as the interaction. We have, you have, you know, from from the amazing super fan group you run to to the, the con, to, you know, there's a couple of cons, I think. And then, you know, I went to a a, a, a whole show, and a whole display in season, in between season two and three about the, you know, the set pieces. It was like inside Game of Thrones and they, they brought out costumes and they, and they had all these things and, and it was, it was a traveling, uh, gallery of display and they went to like a few different cities. And I mean, just the fan base is, is gigantic and it's, and it's all over the world. So to have that coupled with the show and the books and the knowledge, it makes it like you said, it just like an ongoing organism without the show. Yeah. That's that's absolutely my favorite thing is that I never have to leave this show. I can always keep keep learning more. I can keep engrossing myself in its history. Like this guy created this guy being George created this world that go that spans back generations. Like there's so much you can read. There's so much you can learn and you never have to leave it. You can just stay there. And I think that's the dopest thing about this this show and this world. It, and and I, I absolutely love it. Yeah, um, I, I actually have one more note here that I didn't mention, but uh, and it, it's real quick. But talking about season eight predictions, I can't wait to see Jamie arrive at Winterfell. That's yeah, gonna well, be nuts. I, it's 
it's going to be nuts on a lot of levels, like because of the conflicts it's going to bring up, and you know, it just the the the, the implications of him giving them the knowledge if he gives it to them, or you know, of what Cersei's up to. It's just it, it it's a lot, a lot that could happen with that. Yeah, I'm I'm wondering if like. I feel like it'll be a scary moment in the sense of like, is Jamie going to be killed? But um, I, I'm curious to see how Bran is going to respond to Jamie's presence, assuming they, they run into one another. Like I'm really, really interested to see how that turns out. And I'm of course waiting with bated breath for a John and Arya uh, reunion, which could mark the first time that I actually cry watching something. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't wait for that. It's gonna be so great if they if they give it to us. Yeah, because that was that was his his little homegirl. He, you know. Yeah. If they if 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 they say something about sticking with the pointy end, I'm gonna lose it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I look forward to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's gonna be good. We, you know, we only have like six years to wait, so we, we got a lot of time. Yeah, I hope it's not that long. I, I've been seeing all kinds of memes and stuff about. 16 months and two years like we have a confirmed date and we don't all i know that's confirmed is that they're going to production in october i i, I don't want to sit here and go oh it's going to be 16 months oh it's going to be two years i don't i don't like i said a lot of the fandom takes a takes a theory and runs with it and tries to make it fact and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna run with these these articles that presume to know about when it should come out and then just make that fact in my head, like, oh, it's gonna be mid two thousand nineteen. Like, there's it's, nothing to base that on. It's gonna come out when HBO wants it to come out. When they said we got to lead out of a show, to lead into some new show, whatever the hell they need for marketing reasons, and that's when yep. it's gonna come out. That's exactly it. Yeah. So we got time. Um, you know, I just uh, while we're on the the time thing, I want to uh, let you know and let everybody else that's listening know at the same time. I recorded the first episode of my brand new podcast last night. Ooh, yeah! It's I, cool. I actually I saw it on on the website. I stumbled on the website uh, maybe about a couple hours ago, and I saw that it was there. Is it going to be in iTunes? Yeah, it's going to come up in iTunes. Uh, it takes a few days when you get a new podcast started to to get it up there. But right now, it's on the cool. Patreon page. Um, it's called Inside DJ's DVR. I'm gonna just break down what I watch for the week. I, you know, I record a lot of stuff and I watch Netflix a lot and all different types of things and recommendations from people. And I'm just going to, uh, break it down. I'll give a little news. I'll talk about what I watched. I'll, you know, pick a show that, that maybe, you know, is better than the rest. And I'll, I'll, you know, get into it about what it's about and, you know, what I thought about it. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to break it down because this has been a lot of fun. I mean, the, the response and the feedback, for the show from this, from the fan call-in, from Podcast Winterfell, for everybody that's doing it, I mean, it's just it's been phenomenal. So we got this DG, uh, this DVR podcast network, and we're going to keep bringing stuff out. Mike Hull's doing the, the Deuce. and uh, Oh, okay. Yeah, I yeah. subscribed to that, yeah. Yeah, he, he got, um, they wound up, uh, you know, getting the, the most of the episodes, uh, like a, like they would give the screener copies out to the press for reviews, and they, uh, they're going to watch them, and then they're going to uh, have the episodes ready for as soon as the the HBO airs the episode, they're going to drop the pod, so it'll be right. It'll oh be time, man! It'll be timed accordingly. 
Oh, that's awesome. Did you did you watch that? Was that on your DVR? Well, I can't say on your DVR because it hasn't come out yet. But I know it, it's it's on HBO Go. It's on the streaming services. I watched it last night, actually. Yeah, I, I watched the first five minutes, and then I had to do something. But I have it in the DVR for <laughs> Sunday if I don't get to it. But I'm definitely going to watch that because, I, I, you know, it looks good. I like that that whole vibe. I like the uh, the other one they, they had they, they were doing. I forget that. I can't remember the name of it right now. Um, I think it was the Scorsese one they did last year with, with uh, oh, what the hell is the name of it? All right. Well, I can't remember now. But, yeah, it was like that old gritty rock and roll show. Oh, uh, Vinyl? Vinyl. That was it, yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. I never saw it, though. Yeah, that's, I like that one. That was good. I liked it, you know, being from New York, like any of that, that old gritty New York stuff, um, you know, I'm into. So I like – this looks like it's going to be good. It's got 42nd Street all up in there and the whole scummy side of the city. Yeah, I look forward to hearing your podcast. I'm uh, interested to see what you're what you're watching. So I look Thank forward you. to listening to that when it hits iTunes. Yeah, you know, it's not going to uh, consist of just watching. Sometimes it's going to be things I'm listening to, but, you know, the DVR is kind of metaphoric. It's the, the the recorder in our brains that we watch and things we absorb. So sometimes I might even talk about the latest What Up Dope podcast from my boy. Oh, okay. Oh, well, I wouldn't mind that. <laughs> wouldn't mind that at all. Yeah, no, you and Otis do a great job. I love that podcast. Uh, you know, and then, and then Stretch and Bobito came out and did the What's Good podcast and bit you guys. <laughs> and they, you know they're nothing. They're nothing like you guys. You guys bring the realness. You have good topics, so I enjoy your podcast a lot. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, and uh, I enjoy you coming on this podcast. I appreciate you. You know, starting off and closing out the season right. Yeah, it's been a good time. Yeah, that is kind of cool. Like, uh, yeah, it came on right before it started and coming on right after it ended. Yeah, yeah no, you have. It's been good. You you have. Uh, very keen observation for television and i know you know reading it a lot and coming having you know hearing seeing it come through on the way you you know pose questions in the group and uh knowing that you never really talked that much about it i said we got to get michael on because you know you you touch a little bit with otis on your podcast but not so much because you know I, I guess you just you know go there that much but it's nice. He's that... not. He's not as. He's not as into it to the point where I feel like I can really dive deep into that kind of stuff. He just got into Game of Thrones, so you know it's. It's. You have to be a little bit careful with it. Yeah. No. You don't want to push that. Plus, you guys got a lot of good real topics you always talk about. So it's. Uh, it's good to have you on here and let you get it out and have that outlet. So you know you're always welcome anytime. Just you know if you you decide you want to talk Game of Thrones, I'll hit record and we'll go. All right. We will do that for sure. And also, oh, also for those of you who are listening and would like to join the group, it's called Game of Thrones Superfans. Has an exclamation point at the end. And uh, whatever the questions are, they're really easy. Um, I'm sure anybody who listens to this podcast will easily be able to answer them. And I readily accept anybody, any podcast Winterfell listener without without a moment's hesitation. So you can find it on Facebook, Game of Thrones Superfans. I will absolutely approve your request. That's what's up. That's some invite. You guys should appreciate yep. that out there, whoever's listening and downloading, because uh, it's a quality group. I, I, you know, I'm, I was I was in a couple that actually had to just leave this year because they're awful, and this one this is one of the keepers. All right, anything uh anything else you want to promote? You want to do uh, what's your Twitter? It's uh, at what up though, right? 
Uh, well, I have the the What Up Though podcast, um, Twitter, and and the podcast is spelled W U D U P D O E. So it's What Up Though. That's a common vernacular here in Detroit. That's our that's our greeting for one another. Um, if you listen to any Big Sean or Eminem, you'll hear What Up Though plenty of times in their raps. Um, so the that's the name of the podcast. It's called What Up Though Podcast with that spelling. That's also the Twitter is uh, at What Up Though Podcast. Uh, my personal Twitter is uh, Michael underscore Aaron. Um, it's private right now, and that's because um, I say a lot of crazy shit that I don't need people at work finding out about. So, yeah. But if you if you send a request, I'll approve it. No big deal. But, um, yeah, that's uh, that's all, all I really got to promote. We're going to record our, uh, I don't know, 145th or 6th episode of What Up Though Podcast next week. And, uh, yeah. Send in some feedback, questions, any topics you want us to discuss, feel free. DJ has sent in feedback before. We've uh, played his feedback on uh, on the episode. Axel has actually been on the actually been on the podcast. He's called into it, uh, skyped in or whatever. So you you can dig that one up in the archives if you want to hear Axel talking about politics and shit like that. So yeah, it's 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 a good time. All right, very good. And everybody, uh, you got a recommendation from me to definitely check that pot out because it's a good one. So, Mike, thanks again for coming on, and I really appreciate having you on. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me, man. All right. Again, everybody out there, Podcast Winterfell, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And here's Axel to take you out. Follow more podcasts. Thank you for listening to Podcast Winterfell. Podcast Winterfell is a part of the DVR Podcast Network. You can check us out at dvrpodcast.com. Become a patron. Go to Patreon slash DVR. Follow us on Twitter at Winterfell Pod. Follow us on Facebook at Podcast Winterfell. And follow the DVR Podcast Network at DVR Podcast.